Thank you for joining us today. No doubt about it, God speaks to His children. That gut feeling we sometimes refer to is God speaking to His children through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we incline our entire being to Him, we will recognize the different ways He speaks to us. And when He speaks and we obey, He will order each moment of our lives, and we will be blessed and be a blessing beyond human comprehension. Have Bible pen and paper handy. Thank you, Jesus, for filling that void. You alone are sufficient. We bless you now. Speak, your servants are listening. Lord, I can't do this without you. Preach through me to your people and let those who have ears to hear hear what the Spirit of God has to say. Help us to be still and not be distracted, but to tune ourselves to the authoritative Word of God. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, We're preaching right through the book of Jonah. Uh, expositorily and we are in the book of Jonah chapter 3 verses 4 through 10 is the text for this morning Jonah chapter 3 verses 4 through 10 the word of God reads and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk then he cried out and said yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Don't eat. In other words, don't eat nothing. Don't drink nothing. What a fast. Do not let them eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And cry mightily to God, yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways... He changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. From this particular passage of scripture, we want to preach once again, it's time to preach. Verses 4 through 10, uh, you can uh, label this, the people of Nineveh believed God. The people of Nineveh believe God. In this particular passage, we can clearly see true revival experienced by Nineveh through their response to Jonah's preaching the word of God, declaring authoritatively 
that they would see imminent destruction if they don't repent and turn from their sins. With that being said, my friends, absolutely no one can get to heaven through anything else other than the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you know when genuine revival comes? Number one, there is no revival apart from believing Christ alone. There is no revival apart from believing in Christ alone. God is the only way that anyone can be saved and have eternal life. The Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Again, I reiterate, absolutely no one can get to heaven through any other thing, through any other person or religion, such as Hinduism. You can get, you cannot get to heaven through Islam. You cannot get to heaven through Buddhism. You cannot get to heaven through Confucianism. You cannot get to heaven through Mormonism. You cannot get to heaven through Jehovah Witnesses. You cannot get to heaven through Universalism. You cannot get to heaven through Scientology. Nor any other. Salvation comes only through Christ alone. For the scripture says in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. If you fail to believe in Christ alone, your soul will be without the life of God and eternally lost, which results in you being without salvation. Without Christ, you will not have spiritual life. Without Christ, you will have no peace. And without Christ, there is no hope. Secondly, how do you know when genuine, authentic revival has come? Number two, you know revival has come when we, re- when we repent, turn to God, and forsake our sins. You know revival has come when we repent, turn to God, and forsake our sins. The people of Nineveh proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth regardless of, of their status. They didn't care about their age. Influence did not matter, nor their position in society. Absolutely no one was exempt. Verses 5b and 8 says, The king of Nineveh proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way from the violence that is in his hands. Beloved, since absolutely no one is beyond repentance, when was the last time you fell under conviction by the Holy Spirit and cried out to God in repentance and turned from your sins to the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus is the answer for our world today. It is not rap. It is not rock music. It is not celebrity. It's not the who's who in society. That rock is Jesus. He is the only one. How do we know when revival has come? Thirdly, there is no revival apart from taking decisive action in response to our sinful spiritual condition. 
Again, there is no revival apart from taking decisive action in response to our sinful spiritual condition. The people's repentance was a supernatural work of God. I reiterate, the people's repentance was a supernatural work of God. And God is even working supernaturally today. The king of Nineveh took action. He humbled himself and repented by taking off his robe, covering himself with sackcloth and sitting in ashes. He didn't care about what folk thought about him. He, he wasn't so prideful that he, he couldn't hum, humble himself. He did not say, I ain't doing that. He looked at his condition and like Isaiah, he said, Whoa, is me. I'm undone. The people's repentance was a supernatural work of God. The king of Nineveh took action. He humbled himself and repented by taking off his robe, covering himself with sackcloth and sitting in ashes. In verse 6 it says, Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. America, my friends is accelerating toward imminent destruction unless she repents and turn from her evil ways. Our nation, America, USA, is in dire need of revival. What our nation is in, in dire need of is for our country's leadership and its citizens to emulate the brokenness, the humility, and reverential fear of God that the king and the leadership of Nineveh displayed. The king of Nineveh covered himself with sackcloth. He didn't care about how he looked. He, he, he wasn't worried about the stylish clothes of his day. He took off royalty. He took off his crown. Chariot, horses, move away. I'm, I'm a mess. I'm a wretch. I'm undone. We're in trouble with God. When he sat in sackcloth and ashes, you say, why did he do that? It was a symbol. Sitting in sackcloth and ashes is a symbol of humility. It's a symbol of contrition. It is a symbol of brokenness before the Lord. God can't do much with a man or woman until they have first been broken. You take a horse that hasn't been broken, you try to ride him, and he'll throw you to Timbuktu. That horse has to be tamed. He has to be brought under submission before he can be productive with people. Acts chapter 20, verse 21 says, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must first turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, that is a non-negotiable. All of us in here today uh, need to humble ourselves. It doesn't matter about your career. It doesn't matter about your rank in the military. It doesn't matter about your being in the who's who. It doesn't matter what you have done in the academia. Uh, your degrees, they're wonderful, but, but God is not going to ask you when you stand before him, how many degrees did you get? He wants to really know if you have a BA, have you been born again? 
<laughs> he wants to know how humble you were. He wants to know about your contrition. He wants to know about your brokenness before the Lord. Acts 20, 21 says, I, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God. Now, a lot of folk are turning to the wrong things and they end up in a bigger mess. The scripture says you must turn to God. Don't turn to alcohol. Don't turn to Coors. Don't turn to Johnny Walker Red. I can call yours, I can call all day to get there. Don't turn to opium. Don't turn to marijuana, even if they legalize it. Don't turn. You know, Satan works in the laws, you know. You know, what folk need is a heart change. The Bible says right here, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must, not might, not you should, they must, that's emphatic, they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens when revival comes? Number four. Revival in the church must come through her leadership. Revival in the church must come through her leadership. When the leadership is spiritually revived, it results in the church being revived. The church cannot be any more spiritual than her leadership. Spiritual leadership, spiritual church. Unspiritual leadership, unspiritual church. No church can expect revival when her leadership is carnal, when her leadership is fleshly, when her leadership is sinful, when her leadership is manipulative, when her leadership is uh, unspiritual, uh, when her leadership sows discord, when there are hidden agendas being promoted, when leadership seeks self-promotion. We can't expect revival. There's only calamity and mess in the church. When the leadership of the church repents and turn to Christ, she will follow their lead. The church will follow and do the same, which results in a healthy, well-balanced church that glorifies Christ and make much of Christ. The king of Nineveh passed the edict and proclaimed a fast for the entire nation. Verse 7 says, and he calls it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast, herd or flock, taste anything, not even a cracker, not even a peanut. I know some of y'all would have slipped your hand in the jaw. <laughs> Do not let them eat. Uh-oh. <laughs> Do not let them eat. What if I said today, but for the benediction, y'all, we're going to take a fast and none of you can eat anything the rest of the day. Some of you leave the church. <laughs> Especially if I told you, and don't drink water. Wait a minute, I got to have water. I got to take my pills. I got to do this. I got to do that. 
What if the leadership of our nation passed such an edict and proclaimed a fast for all of America today? If such an edict were passed today, there would be an outcry from civil civil liberties advocates saying, you cannot do this because of separation of church and state. Peter, that organization, would also protest to protect the interests of animals, which were also put on a fast. Even Lassie could not eat or drink. <laughs> but this is exactly what America needs today. And God is sending warning signs to her that we must repent lest we receive judgment from Almighty God. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter, The signs are all around us. Behold the destructiveness of political correctness. Behold rampant abortion in the womb and outside the womb. Behold gender confusion. Behold earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and floods and wildfires and mass shootings all over our nation. And the horrific terrorist attack against our nation when the Twin Towers and the Pentagon were hit and thousands of lives lost 18 years ago on September 11, 2001. Have you so soon forgotten? Yet America is so quick to forget and is absolutely clueless about her spiritual condition and is right for imminent judgment unless she repents and returns to the Lord. Isaiah chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 says, wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. I don't want to see them. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. The question I pose to you today, beloved, is why do people refuse to repent and return to God? That, that, that's a legitimate question. There's not some people, well, who he think he is? Why do people refuse to repent and turn to God? Why are people so blatantly arrogant against God? A, they don't even believe God. They can say whatever they want to God, act any kind of way, be the biggest fool on this side of the Mississippi River because they don't even believe there is a God. Genesis 1 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They won't repent because they reject God. They they don't want anything. Don't tell me about God. I'm God. That's what they'll tell you. Okay. John chapter 1 verse 11 says, He came, the Lord Jesus, He came to His own, the Jewish people. And his own did not receive him. He was rejected and he was despised by humanity. 
The king and the Ninevites in this text believed God. They believed God. That's a marvelous um, billboard. I was on my way uh, uh, to eat lunch with a certain member of the church and we were riding down Interstate 410. And I look up there and I saw the, the billboard said, think God. I thought that was pretty good. But it's still, to, but as far as I'm concerned, it still wasn't good enough because I told the person I was riding with, what God? Think God? What God? You know, it'd been different if they said, think the Lord Jesus Christ, but, but think God. That God could be a cat. Matter of fact, some people have made their cats and dogs gods. They sleep and tuck them in. Not in their own little doggy house, right there next to them, and they they become their security blanket. You know, you take them shopping, you you take them here and there, you pick every flea off of them. Then that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's, I'm not I'm not against animals. Y'all say he's always talking about animals. We had a dog named Precious, and that dog wouldn't die. <laughs> she lived to be 16 years old. It ended up being, as many of you, our responsibility. We had to take care of the dog. That dog, if she finally got tuckered out, but she wasn't a problem. She just got old. But uh, but she had her place. We didn't uh, mistreat her. We didn't abuse her. We took her to PetSmart and these places and all that. But that dog did not reign over our lives. Look how quiet it got now. Now, some of y'all going to stop out here because I'm saying God comes before your dog. People come before your dog. Huh? God comes before animals. God comes before your house. As a matter of fact, God comes before your family because without God, you wouldn't have your family. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Do you believe God today? B, people refuse to repent because of their pride and self-righteousness. They refuse to repent because of their pride and self-righteousness. The Ninevites believe God. Whereas today, people refuse to repent because of their pride and self-righteousness. They do not view themselves as sinners, nor see a need to repent. Beloved, if you refuse to view yourself as a sinner, you will not see a need for salvation. Romans chapter 10 verse 3 says, For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. You don't create your own way to heaven. You can't create your own righteousness. You you have to receive the righteousness of Christ through the shed blood of Jesus Christ alone. See, people do not repent because they love their sins. They like what they do. They love what they do. They are actually addicted to what they do. So so they get carried away by the mundane things of this world. They love the world and the things in it. The Gospel of John chapter 3 verse 20 says, For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. When you start living for Christ, 
People are either going to be drawn to you or they're going to run away from you. They'll not be neutral with you. You got that? Because of Christ, they'll be drawn to you. They'll run from you, but they'll not remain neutral with you. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. People love their sins. Don't mess with me. It feels good. Let me have it my way. And you'll send yourself straight to hell. D, people refuse to repent because of their rebellion and hardness of heart. They refuse to repent because of their rebellion and hardness of heart. Romans chapter 2 verse 5 says, But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Rebellion and hardness of the heart. Smart people, intellectuals. Uh, scientists and people in the medical profession and seems like the more education they get the, the more prone they are to deny God many become educated fools as a matter of fact of uh, the psalmist says in Psalms 14 one a fool has said in his heart there is no God and you can see all of what we see and witness all of what we witness when you can look at the, the structure of the eye or the birthing process, uh, the, the anatomy and how it, the functionality of it. You can only conclude that there is a God. When we disobey God, we set the stage for our impending destruction. God is our only hope. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. We must walk by faith and not by sight. We must obey God and look to the hills from whence cometh our help. And where does our help come? It comes from who made heaven and earth. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.